Hello, I'm Yolanda Brown and this is LPO Offstage, the podcast where we get to the heart of classical music and far beyond. Today we'll be focusing in on what the musicians listen to, whether for work or to wind down, and hopefully we'll get some playlist recommendations too. I've got my pen and paper ready. I'm joined by the LPO's recently appointed co-leader and violinist, Alice Ivy Pemberton, and principal timpanist, Simon Carrington. Welcome back, Simon. And it's so wonderful to welcome you onto the podcast, Alice. Wonderful to be here. Hi, Yolanda. Good to see you. Nice to see you. Lovely to see you both. Well, I'm going to kick things off so we get an idea of the scope of where we'll be speaking. Alice, can you tell me what music you last had in your headphones or at home? Okay, well, I think it's been just about 30 minutes since I was listening to something. Um, so I was listening to J.J. Kale this morning, actually, Fantastic. and um, been listening to a lot of J.J. Kale and Bob Dylan. So that was the last thing. Very good. And is it dictated by mood or it's just what you like? Yeah, I'm a very mood based listener, I would say. I always, you know, try to almost match from whatever the weather or what I'm looking for in my day. I love finding a song that matches that. Very cool. I like it. And Simon, how about you? What were you last listening to? I was last listening to something by an artist called Jelly Cleaver. Aha, yes. Great morning. name. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting stuff. Lovely. Absolutely lovely. Big shout out to Jelly. Very big shout out to Jelly. I'm sure she will be listening into this. Well, a question for you both then. I'm understanding the mood listening from you, Alice, but what do you listen to? What styles of music? Truly, pretty much anything and everything under the sun. I think in my time off, I do listen to mostly not classical music just to kind of diversify the soundscape in my world. But I mean, I grew up with a lot of, you know, classic rock, The Who, Dire Straits, that kind of thing, Bob Dylan. But I also love blues, bluegrass. There's some a beautiful dobro player, Jerry Douglas, that I listen to. But you can also catch me listening to some modern hits. You know, I will listen to some pop. Taylor Swift, you know, I, I just think, you know, I never knock it till I've listened a few times. So yeah, pretty much anything. Very good. And Simon, how about yourself? Listen to mainly jazz, I've got to say. In recent years, anyway, that's been my uh, sort of predilection is to listen to jazz. So usually piano-based stuff because I'm very interested in in all of that side of things. Keith Jarrett, Bill Evans, I think I mentioned the last time we were we were speaking. Yesterday, I actually listened to an old Billy Taylor album as well because I wanted to get into listening to a bit more. Not that he's a gospel player, actually, but I've, I'm playing a, a gig tonight where we're doing I Wish I Knew it, How It Feels to Be Free, and I wanted mm-hmm. to listen to his original doing that, and he has a lovely album called um, Music Keeps Us Young. So <laughs> I thought I'm going to have a bit of that. We all so it's there. a mixed it bag. And Simon, you said that you're playing tonight. What, what instrument will you be playing? Piano. Fantastic. Brilliant. Mm. Aha. So yeah, that's a really good one to listen to, to get into that feel. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, it's all it, all of that stuff. Anything that you listen to, I, I listen to, is, is just so incredibly instructive and inspiring. And it's an endless journey, which I'm um, right at the uh, very, very beginning of, really, I've got to say, but enjoying it immensely. 
It's really interesting. So we're all musicians by trade, by day, if you like. Do you ever want to get away from music? Or, I mean, you've both said that you were just recently listening to music before we got on on the call. So do you ever sort of think, I just want no music at the moment? Alice, does that ever happen to you? Very rarely. I've spoken with some colleagues about this. I know some people really want some of that silence, you know, especially, I mean, there can be such a cacophony sometimes. I mean, from especially the violin right next to your ear, you know, it's it's high pitched, it's howling. But um, yeah, I think, you know, mostly I just, I love listening to music anywhere, walking it the way that it kind of infuses any situation with the mood or meaning and occasionally if I'm out in beautiful a nature area I will think let let's be like what is silence <laughs> here but other than that I generally love just listening and exploring music in all my free time it's really interesting I was I was trying to before this podcast think about how I relate with music so I don't think I really think about it it's just music is just there in your head on your fingers and sort of in the speakers but I do realise now, if I'm if my children aren't in the car, and if they are, then they, they run the playlist. I like to listen to nothing. I like to listen to silence or I listen to sort of talk radio, Radio 4 or something. But also, like what you've just said there, Alice, in nature, I just want to hear what's out there. So very recently, I, I was able to go on holiday without the husband, without the kids, with my uh, friends from university. And we all got loungers right there on the front of the beach. And we thought, oh, this is going to be a lovely, relaxing afternoon. And straight away, one of our friends got a Bluetooth speaker out, you know, and was playing. Ah, oh. <laughs> and, and the music was lovely. It was fitting. It wasn't sort of way out there. It was fitting for a relaxing time. But like my gut reaction, and I didn't even hold it back. I must have been very relaxed. I said, do you mind if we don't have any music at the minute? And then I caught myself because I was like, I don't know what anyone else wants. But I just I just want to hear the waves. I want to hear the birds. I just, at certain points, and I thought that was a really weird thing for a musician to say. You know, she looked at me like I had The original music, yeah. you know, nature. Nature is the original the Bluetooth original speaker. It's the original soundtrack. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Know, exactly. So how about you, Simon? Your reaction seemed like you thought I did the right thing there. Well, absolutely. I, I mean, I think it, it's a perfectly natural reaction, actually, for a musician to want nothing or, or sounds of nature whenever you can, really, whenever you want to hear the sounds that are around you. So I'm totally with you on that one. And um, we're obviously going to get into this topic, so I, I, you know, I don't want to this, dive straight in. Straight but in. One, <laughs> no, well, one thing I, I would say, interested to know... Um, for both of you, Yolanda and Alice, I've always got music in my head, even if I'm if I was listening to the waves or out at the top of a mountain listening to not a lot or, or some bird song somewhere or that sort of thing. There's always something going on in my head. And I've got to say that that really drives me mad. I wish I could just turn it off. So and, and experience the same kind of sound world that I'm presuming most non-musicians do. Or maybe that's not true either. I, I don't know. I just don't know. All I do know is that I've always got something going in my head. There's not a choice in the matter. Something will be there. It'll change randomly. It'll be usually there for some sort of reason, but sometimes not at all. I suddenly have something, you know, totally unconnected to anything I've heard in, in, in recent days or hours suddenly pop into my head, you know, like people talk about earworms and, but this is a full kind of symphonic earworm very often or a full, you know, jazz group earworm. So in, you're hearing it in sort of, if, if it's possible to hear in, in uh, 
In 3D. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> 3D <laughs> surround sound. It, it's there. And uh, yeah, I mean, is that the same for you guys or? It's a great question. Alice, how's it for not? you? Yeah, I think I have, maybe it's, it's similar, but uh, perhaps a little lower decibel. Like I think if I listen in, I, I usually have something and I find it can be quite random or just even a few. We were doing opera all summer. So what I really had all summer were these little bits of opera, like even phrases, you know, silly things said by the singers, like, I wish I were happy. or just like little <laughs> things from Shakespeare from Midsummer Night's Dream that we were doing, you know, like Titania and I'm just walking around and it's it's in there. I can kind of get close to wavelength, you know, being flat if I work on it. But I've been working quite a bit on meditation and everything and that that has helped me actually start to when you first start meditating, of course, the only thing is cacophony. So <laughs> so it's helped maybe control the switch a little bit. But, you know, it's 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 lovely. I always have something to uh, pay attention to. Now, what I about think, you, Yolanda? Yeah, I think you're spot on actually. I I do hear melody in everything, and I think that's why I like talk radio if if I'm going to be in the car and I don't want to get sort of swept off into music and sometimes especially when I'm listening for personal reasons and just enjoying sometimes you think why didn't it go there why did the melody go why wouldn't I have used that that sounded weird and I'll rewind or think oh why did they use that take and I can't switch it off so I like it when when it's talk but even just listening to you talk there I was I was hearing the lilt of your voice and the pitch and the tone. And so I hear music in talking as well. Actually, you know, on that on that subject, I just have to say, since moving to England, it's people have so much lilt in England. And so I've said that to some English people and they seem really surprised, but it's so musical. It and I've just come back to America for the first time. My friends are like, what's happened to your voice? You're singing Why everywhere. Why is there so much melody? <laughs> anyway. It's so true. So I kind of, I find that comforting because I guess, Maybe that harks back to sort of childhood with lullabies and people, you know, if it's a nice conversation, it, it really does feel quite relaxing. But there is, yes, yeah, Simon, music all the time, sound, fragments of things you've heard, bits that sort of connect but don't connect, which can be really sort of discombobulating for want of another word. So, yes, I think all of us hear music all the time. Uh, I've got every sympathy, Alice, with the, with the opera, various opera excerpts obviously having done some of the same operas as well. And the uh, well, most of Dialogue of the Carmelites has been playing all the way through. I can't remember if you did that one. Did you do it? I did, I did. I did you did, yeah. Did. So yeah. Uh, we can talk about that. <laughs> but again, it's on self-select. So I've been, you know, I started with the, with the last hymn that they sing as they're all going to the guillotine. And then uh, I swear that every single bar of the opera has come into my head at some stage over the course of, when did we last play? Well, in the prom, so that's a month ago. And it's just receding now. There's nothing you can do about it. Unfortunately, my son has also taken to this music, one of my sons. So just as it was on the diminuendo for me, he started going oh, no. around the house singing. <laughs> There's no escape. Uh, that's all. That's that's, a, yeah, there's that one funny. one phrase about when she says, "Have you chosen your name when you join the Carmelites?" And I just that was my refrain all summer, just around the house <laughs> in French, which I don't oh, even nice. speak that well. So uh, suddenly I, I wow. can speak French if it's musical. But. <laughs> well, you know, thinking about music and your job, I mean, you're getting to hear 
top class music every single time you turn up for work. It must be an absolute treat. But if you get given a piece and you, you know what you're going to play, you've got the programme of the year. Do you go and listen to recordings or do you literally sight read, go in and you know listen to the conductor and get into creative mode? How often do you listen to recordings of what you're going to play, Simon? Not often enough, I must confess. Obviously, if it's a lot of the repertoire, you know, with somebody of my advancing years, probably, uh, you know, a good percentage of the repertoire that we do, I've, I've played before, so I can... I don't feel a need to listen to it sort of... In fact, I, I don't really want to. I want to go in fresh and mm. discover it as if for the first time. But with other repertoire, I really do feel the benefit of it if I do listen and I've got some idea of where it goes but time just gets in the way that's the excuse I'm giving myself anyway so that, uh, and we have such a you know rapid turnover of pieces mm. it's not always possible to do that Alice how about yourself do you listen to recordings yeah, of the I'm repertoire? Kind of coming at the opposite end of the spectrum here of um you know I was doing lots and lots of, of chain music in school and of course orchestra but with the LPO I mean like Simon said the turnover is immense and so much of it's new. So so listening is my best friend because it's incredible, honestly, what the ear does, even just listening to music while, you know, cooking or doing the dishes. If I listen to some of our repertoire, then when I go to practice it, my hands are already like far, farther along than I would think. But what I'm quite conscious of doing is not repeating the same recording many times. So I and I, I, I do play along, actually, one AirPod in, and and sometimes quite funny if I play with a German orchestra and they play so, many, so much higher in pitch. And so I can hear that my, my violin is tuned just that bit lower. But I do skip around a lot because I want to stay really flexible and not get a fixed idea of what's going to happen in the rehearsal. But um, I am a very avid listener to our repertoire because even if I've heard it in concert, it's completely different to sort of enter into the the flow in real time and uh, you want to know on paper what might look like an important melody could just be very you know a supporting line in some way and and that that I mean it sounds obvious but sometimes when you're really something like Mahler the seconds and firsts are switching so often and to find that kind of subtlety so that you can go in knowing the sound world you're stepping into I find it's just funny, no matter how much I listen, even fully immersed, then when I, we actually play, it's a, it's a whole other world. It's, I mean, it's amazing, but it's a whole other world. Well, this is the thing I find so interesting and why I love this podcast and speaking to you and understanding your processes. I am a jazz musician and I play by ear. I can read music, but I don't. I'll probably read it if I've written it down as a note to myself. But I, I don't read music, so I improvise every show. And everything is in my head, which, you know, it's always there. And so I find that listening is the only thing I have, you know, especially if I'm going to perform with somebody else or, you know, a duet or a, a special performance and they'll send me the sheet music. It, it doesn't emote enough for me. I have to listen. And I think the, the interesting thing is that every piece that's played, no matter the conductor, the orchestra, the day, the year, whatever it is, is all open to interpretation. So that piece of music has endless iterations of how it can be played. And I think that's something that I always find interesting. You can listen to a piece and then you play it and it's a totally different experience. And I think that's what keeps me coming back again and again to music. 
And and Simon, you know, you you'd understand about sort of interpretation. You've just said you, you've listened to a piece that you're going to play tonight, and it's going to become yours, uh, which is a really exciting thing. Are there any pieces that you know you've had experiences with? Maybe something went right, something didn't quite go right, and now whenever you hear that piece, that feeling comes back. That's a tricky one. I mean, yes, yes, in in many ways, that's a very relevant issue. Yeah, we've all played so many concerts over the years. And if a piece comes up, I can usually remember the last time I played it and who with and where. Because Ooh. you, if particularly if it was, <laughs> dare I say, you know, a, a memorable performance. And also, I mean, just sort of as an adjunct to that, I think we all have a memory, and I speak to some of my colleagues about this as well, of whether we've played pieces over the years. And I'm talking about, you know, in my case, over nearly getting on 40 years, I could say with quite confidently which pieces I've played or rather which pieces I haven't played with certain conductors. Yeah. And that could be referring to a period that was sort of 30 years ago. So things really do stick in the mind. Um, I've forgotten what the question was now. No, well, oh yeah, yeah. What I was going to say, um, sort of more pertinently, whenever we play Marla One, I can't get away from an image that I have of playing Marla One with uh, with Mazur, who was our principal conductor, as you know. Well, he was when I joined the orchestra, so from early two thousands for seven years, I think. Mm. And um, Marla One was a piece that we used to do a lot. I mean, he did it absolutely wonderfully. He had a, a particular thing in his mind about the tuning of the timpani at the beginning of the third movement of the Frere Jacquin movement, presumably on the back of a bad experience that actually I'm fairly sure I know when it was. I think the LPO shared a concert with another orchestra who shall remain <laughs> nameless. They did some sort of charity concert, I think, and they were swapping players between movements. This is long before I joined. And the player who was charged with playing the Ferro Jacquin movement, I'm not sure his intonation was as Mazur wanted it, shall we say. Mm. And he apparently stopped him in the performance. So it starts off just with two bars of solo timpani DNA. Boom, boom, boom. But you've got to make sure it's not too high or low, it's got to be on on the lowish side, which after the excitement of the A major end of the second movement, is it's like it's a different key yeah. centre altogether. It's really weird, and it's really hard to play bang in tune. I've got to say, I don't think I've ever managed it. But um, apparently this other player really didn't manage it well, and Mazur stopped him in the concert. He actually stopped the orchestra and said, you know, sort of pointed to his top drum and down and up and, you know, just embarrassed the poor guy in front of absolutely everybody. And he started again and, and off it went. So it was my great fear that Mazur was going to do that because he did it in rehearsals to me. Oh, wow. Um, where hopefully it wasn't too wildly out, but, you know, you can't actually tell what the pitch is going to be until you play it within complete silence within the context of the in the hall and... And you think to yourself, oh, yeah, that's a little bit bright. And you, you try and bring the pitch down subtly or, or whatever. But oh, sometimes wow. you just don't actually know exactly what's going to come out until you do it. And then it's too late. So he did that to me. And uh, it was my great fear that he was going to do that to me in a concert. And then the other memorable thing was that I remember doing it on a States trip with him in New York in um, Avery Fisher Hall, as it was then. 
I'd eaten a dodgy steak in Boston about two mm -hmm. days before that <laughs> concert. And I remember feeling not so good the next day. And then the day after that, the day of this concert, we had a trip down from upstate New York, Albany or somewhere like that we were staying. We came down to New York City, had an 11 till 2 rehearsal, by the beginning of which I felt absolutely rotten. I was backstage in Avery Fisher trying to get rid of this, whatever was in my body, and unsuccessfully. Uh, so I'll spare you the details. But, um, uh, then three o'clock was the concert, Sunday afternoon, and I felt just death not even warmed up. And I went on, we did the Schumann Piano Concerto Interval Mahler 1, and I had a, a sick bag and a bottle of water behind the tips and got through Mahler 1, somehow but just with no strength physically or, or mentally so that's stayed with me that's and forever do, imprinted I'm on my one for that. you now yeah do you smell steak then yeah, yeah. when you play Mahler one do, you know, off, little, off steak that steak. I knew I shouldn't have been eating as well oh, no. you know you were so, so hungry I was so hungry and I you, you just oh, cut into the steak and thought, oh I'm not I sure about that but I'm going to eat it anyway oh, God. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lesson learned there oh, for me no. thank you for sharing that side with us oh yeah that stays with me now when I hear my <laughs> <laughs> how about for you Alice are there any memories that you know oh, when a piece of music is played and whether you played it or not a piece of music that then just evokes that memory not as exciting as Simon <laughs> I think but um it's interesting. I played a Chosso poem, the piece for a lot as, as a 12 year old in this one year. That year, I also was really, really into baseball. And I mean, at, at that time, and it was a really intense piece. It's a very dark piece. Looking back, I'm not sure why I was playing it when I was 12, but I lived with it. And so now when I hear it, I really, I feel that I've gone back in time and I'm living a whole other life <laughs> as a 12-year-old. And I suddenly, I've noticed after I play Chosson or hear Chosson poem, I suddenly start thinking about baseball again. It's like a really strange association yes. um, for me. But, but I think other than that, it's just general, you know, that kind of nostalgic feeling. There's this band in the states used to be called the Dixie Chicks now the Chicks and Alison Krauss and from growing up when I hear that I just yeah almost you know whether it smells or rather than anything too specific it's I feel like it's an energy you know of, of my younger self you know maybe um more naive or hopeful and sometimes it's kind of nice to remember oh yeah I was listening to that like I used to commute on the subway to high school and certain songs will come on and yeah I feel feel that I've lost all the wisdom of recent years in that moment. <laughs> Can't wait for the sun gets the end. I think actually because the first piece that I led with LPO during my trial was Rosen Cavalier Suite, and I, of course, practiced that maybe more than any piece I've ever practiced in my life. <laughs> so I think with I recently heard that on the radio, and I was like back in my little Airbnb room, yes. just just there. I was absolutely there. I could smell the carpet. I could just feel the little, you know, the little chair I was wearing. It was so strange. Yeah. What about you? Well, it's true. Music does have that power. Like smell. Sometimes smells can transport you back to a time like an old perfume that I'd wear as a teenager. It takes me right back to that time. But I think music does as well. And my dad has an amazing record collection. And I remember growing up with all genres under the sun. So I could be anywhere. And the minute that you hear it could be a Latin jazz piece or an opera or some reggae, and it will transport me back 
to being young and like Saturday mornings, just having a good old dance and feeling free. I think that's something that I always thank my dad and, and my mum for. I think now as a musician, that's the emotion I'm always chasing. Whenever I'm playing, I'm just trying to find that that freedom and that openness. And hopefully the audience takes that away as well, you know. Uh, so I think music definitely is powerful like that. Well, I've had a this or that question. We have this feature here on LPO Offstage. And this is a poll that has gone out onto Instagram to the LPO listeners. So I also know what they prefer. But I'd love to know, Simon and Alice, do you prefer to listen to music through headphones or on speakers? Mm. It's quite different nowadays because we, we listen to music on the go. But have a go. Headphones or speakers? Simon. It's oh, too difficult because I, mean, I, I would like to say speakers because I like the idea of having a sort of dedicated listening session. Yes. Um, rather than just a kind of this iPod thing and everyone in... iPod, listen to me. But, you know, the image. <laughs> everyone in their own these, world all of a sudden. That's <laughs> yeah. what that created, you know, of ev- closing everyone off from each other, which was a bit sort of scary, really. Mm. That's, you know, dearly what, what's happened is everyone's in their own world now and that's just the way it is. But so out of principle, I'm going to say speakers. Mm, speakers, good one. Alice, how about you? I also aspirationally want to say speakers, but the honest answer is headphones because especially being a city person walking down the street with the right song is just like top 10 things in life for me. So got to be headphones. (laughs) And, you know, having gone through the process of mixing and mastering sort of my own work, I'm always thinking, I know what I want the song to sound like, but I'm also listening in these amazing mixing studios and mastering studios with big speakers that have got all of the definition that you need. And I know in my heart of hearts that whoever's going to listen to this is probably going to stream it, number one, is probably going to listen to it either through laptop speakers or television speakers, because people don't really have hi-fis anymore, which we should, we need to bring back the hi-fi, or they're going to listen on headphones. Are they going to have cans? Are they going to have, you know, the earbuds? And all of that it kind of affects how I would mix the music because I know that the end user might not listen to it on speakers the way I want them to listen to it in a dedicated listening experience. And so I always end up double checking the master and the mix on headphones. And every time I do it, I feel a little bit sadder because you just wish that everyone would listen on speakers, let the music envelop you, let it sort of reverberate off of the walls, like how we listen to live music in in the theatres. Well, the poll ended up with this. Speakers, 34% of the listeners prefer to listen on speakers. Simon's already shaking his head. (laughs) And 66% enjoy listening the most on headphones. It's it's really, really interesting. It's a sign of the times. In fact, as we're in it, I'm going to get you to answer another this or that question, just quick fire. Which is better? An old favourite, this is terms of music, an old favourite or something new? Alice. Something new. Ooh. Why is that? Oh, gosh. Well, it's really, it is kind of a metaphor for, for everything, right? Like an old favorite can be so meaningful and that has real depth in your life and yes. it tells a story and it's always there for you. Versus a new favorite, you know, you know who knows how long it's going to last. You might just enjoy it for a few weeks, but that initial moment of finding some new music that you've not heard before, if it's completely new sound world or artist, that is an incredible feeling. Yeah, that initial feeling of, I love this, I've just discovered it. Yeah, nothing beats that. Simon, how about for you? Which is better, an old favourite or something new? 
Are we actually still talking about music here? Yelena? We are definitely talking right. about a piece of okay. music. You're an old favourite, uh, a piece of music you always go to, or something new that everyone said. Have you heard the new Jelly Cleaver? Well, probably because of the that random selection of so much music in the head all the time, I would say something new as well. Mm. Because, again, it's a journey of discovery. It's the unknown as opposed to the known. So, yeah, exactly as Alice says, you don't know how long it's going to keep you entertained or if at all, but um, the potential is infinite. Going for the something new. Yeah, or for a bit of renewal. Well, do you want the results? Shall we hear what happened in the poll on social media? The LPO listeners have said that uh, 18% of them have said that they like something new. 82% of them like an old favourite. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. Which is controversy. Controversy, yeah. <laughs> We know how the programme goes for next year, don't we? They love an old favourite. And actually, I love you. You have kind of helped me to sway my decision a little bit. But I think I would have gone with the majority. I do love an old favourite. There's that comfort, that safety blanket, that sort of warm. I run to music for refuge. So you want that old favourite where you know what you're going to get and you know what it's going to make you feel. And yeah, I think I would I would agree with them. Well, this is really, really interesting. And we are coming towards the end of Series 6, but I'd love for you, the LPO uh, offstage listeners, to get in touch and let us know if you've got a this or that question that you'd like to share. You can contact us on offstage at lpo.org.uk. And of course, keep an eye on the LPO socials for any more this or that because we love to hear from you. Okay, let's talk about your personal listening again, Simon and Alice. Simon, what's the perfect or your top album for a dinner party that you'd put on in the background? Or do you even have music on in the background? Hmm. I wouldn't put music on. Ooh. It's just, so we'll come around for a dinner party. There's nothing on. No, no. And is that an intentional so. choice? Yeah. Why? It might be just music that other people don't want to listen to. Ooh. And I don't really want to take that risk, maybe. That's so, really cool. I, I think it's probably more to do with, with just always having music there. So I've got to say a very really listen to music at home i wish i did you know a bit more than i do you know again i'd love to hear what my uh family's listening to but they're in the, in their own world you <laughs> they're know, in their earphones as, as previously <laughs> stated so so i can't sort of enjoy that with them no it's probably just a need for a bit of respite really interesting how about you alice you invite me around for a dinner party music on and what are we listening to well i think I, I couldn't be something too amazing because then I would just stop talking, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. So actually, I, it's become a bit of a joke with friends of mine, but there's this Spotify playlist called Feel Good Dinner. <laughs> and it's just not good and not bad. And it's a big mix. I mean, I know if someone thinks it's really good, no, no, no trouble there. But I think it's perfect because... It's sort of groovy. I like music, you know, a little like you kind of you feel uplifted. It's a little funky. It has a mix like old and new. This feel good dinner. It works every time you put it kind of soft. It's just a little sort of everyone says, oh, that's nice music. But then if you really stop to listen to the songs, you're like, mm, no, I don't really need to be hearing this. So that that works for me. But if I put on like a favorite album, I definitely can't concentrate. So yeah. I think that would be 
That's probably the, what I'm saying. It's just the decisions are too. I'm thinking about this answer now. It's just too difficult for various reasons to, to get it absolutely spot on. Maybe I might have a nice little bit of uh, Cuban music in the background oh, yes. or something. Oh, not to be too boring. Yeah. Yes, very, yeah. very good. Lovely. My dad is the one that controls the, if it's a family affair, of course, um, he controls the record player and he does do that. He changes it up and mixes the genre so you never get trapped in one thing. But for me, it's quite difficult. And I do find, especially when we go to a restaurant, I can't. I zone out all the time. My friends just know. Sometimes I zone out. It might just be. And the worst one is when you can just hear the bass line or you can just hear the strings or you can just hear the beat. And you're just like, what song is this? What song is this? What song is this? Yeah. Well, quick fire, Simon, what would be a relaxing piece of music to you or genre if you can't find the track? <sighs> I don't find any music relaxing. That's that's also an answer. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, because I'm just I'm scrutinising it too much, probably. And if it is, I mean, something at the at the relaxing end, then I'm, for instance, there's um there's a Brad Meldow album I very much love called Blues and Ballads, and I often put that on when I'm on the train on the way into work, and I'm feeling tired, and I just want to actually chill out as much as I can mm. if I, I want to be I have to listen to something because usually the people around you are blaring music out of their phones or they're doing this on their laptop so I actually have to have headphones on with, with something in them so I do find that as relaxing pretty much as it gets that's and uh, yeah that's good no lovely and for you Alice is there a, a relaxing piece of music that you go to Actually, it did used to be a Brad Meldo track as well. He has a Places album of different like locations. And I think Amsterdam a few years ago was one of them that I listened to a lot from his... It's, it's, there's different like Los Angeles and Airport. Airport Sadness might have been one that I... Which sounds a little sad, but but I do not find it sad. But um, I think now it's... Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits, actually, I find really soothing, maybe not relaxing. Yeah, also there's, um, I mentioned before, a dobro player, Jerry Douglas, mm. who has these solo dobro tracks that I really enjoy because it's such a, the steel string is such a different sound, I think, from the violin. Maybe I really enjoy that. <laughs> All right. So the tough question, if you were stranded on a desert island and you can take, I'm going to let you take an album. So I'm not going to narrow it down to one song. And you can take an album with you. Simon's got his head in his hands. And you can take one album with you. What would it be? I can see you're both thinking. Simon, you've just looked at me. Simon. Well, I'm not sure about an album. So you can't have expected a oh, no, that's all good. Answer. That's all right. Give me a song um, then. Give me a song. If I really was stranded on this place for an eternity, then it would be something like very much for emotional, sentimental, nostalgic reasons, um, the Angel's Farewell from Dreamer Gerontius. That would be one. Or at the other end of the scale, I might take uh, Fall in the Rain by Led Zeppelin because <laughs> John Bonham's drumming on that absolutely rocks. So <laughs> nice. there's lots of other things. Yeah. I won't make you choose today. Thank you, Alice. Desert Island Disc. It's interesting, after all this not classical talk, I actually, classical is what comes up. A few, mm. I, again, there's there's no chance of, of one for me. 
There's a wonderful recording of the Bach sonatas for violin and harpsichord, which are not played that much. And the six of them are like full of wonder for me each time. Isabel Faust has a wonderful recording of those. I feel like that would be very nourishing on a place without much nourishment, maybe. <laughs> also, actually, Beethoven Violin Concerto, I also find, like, does keep my soul going. So mm. on the other hand, you know, maybe then Pink Floyd, you know, one of those songs that is just screaming into the void. <laughs> so help you through. Something, something from both ends. Very good. Well, I like that you've given me a spectrum. I think that was very, very helpful. Sorry, can't ask the question whatsoever, but... <laughs> Yolanda, what is your desert island disc? Oh. Can you choose? Can you choose one? Can you do better than we can? I don't know if I can. No, now my head goes into my hand. Well, I think you know, I'll answer sort of both of the questions really. My relaxing track, and I do have one. It's no one from George Duke. It features Rochelle Farrell, and if ever I need to exhale. That is my go-to track. And I've now passed it on to my nine-year-old who absolutely loves it as well. So I guess I could take that on a desert island, but I don't want to relax the whole time. So my desert island disc, and I will take an album, it would be Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. And there's so much sort of party atmosphere in some of it. You've got voices going on. So then you feel that people are with you, but also lots of things to reflect on in that record as well. I was just listening to that yesterday, actually. Ah. Yeah, it's incredible, incredible music. It's brilliant. It really is. Well, it's been wonderful to hear what you listen to, how you listen to it, and about the music that's in your heads. Thank you so much, Alice and Simon, for joining me today. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Yolanda. Thank you. Well, that's it for now from LPO Offstage with me, Yolanda Brown. Thanks so much to Alice and Simon for sharing about what they listen to and how they engage with music, even though they are professional musicians and in it every day. And I can't believe it. We've come to the end of another series of LPO Offstage. Where does the time go? Six series under our belt. You can listen back to any of them and they're really, really great conversations all the way through. I cannot wait to see what's going to happen next in series seven. But I would also love you to contribute. We feature questions from you. And so even though this series is finished, any questions that you have, please do email them to offstage at lpo.org.uk. Whether you'd like to know more about practice regimes or favourite touring food spots, that's offstage at lpo.org.uk. Or you can message us on social media at London Philharmonic Orchestra. I can't wait for the next series of LPO Offstage. I'll see you then. 